0: morning, everybody. Happy, rage-filled Monday. And welcome to the News Agenda, with me, Fleet Street Fox. And today I'm joined by the Mirror's Deputy Political Editor, Ben Glaze, who's back off holiday and is not filled with rage like I am. Morning, Ben.
1: Morning. Just for the record, it wasn't holiday. I had a loo day on Friday and then I had a normal weekend off. I haven't actually been on holiday, but OK. Sorry. You get an out of
0: email response in the summer and you assume someone's away. But you still had a loo day on Friday. Anyway, this is the People's Pay-Per-View. So get into the comments, ask us your questions. Those of you listening later on podcasts are just going to have to wait for the public inquiry to tell you what you already know. So what have we got for you today? Well, the mirror has splashed on the fact that police are now looking into the video that we published a few days ago, which features Tory HQ workers twirling, drinking and dancing at a Christmas bash in 2020. Now, more on that later. But first, I want to discuss one of the many things that's filling me with fury today. And it's some good old page 29. Page 30 wouldn't exist without it. Well, I've got a story in the paper, Ben. Now, this is about the nuclear test medal, which the Mirror helped campaign for for over four years. We went to see Boris Johnson a year ago last June. I mean, that's how recently he was actually in charge of things. We, so we went to see him and within a month of him taking office, Rishi Sunak then announced the medal had been granted by the king last November. Now, Ben, they were told they would get this medal by late summer. So just take a guess. When do you think they are now being told they're going to get it?
1: Yeah, I mean, there's always a debate, isn't there, when government refers to seasons. I remember an autumn statement that took place in very early December, which is uh, winter. But I would imagine normal people think late summer, mid-August, but it's probably not going to be mid-August, is it?
0: No, no. In fact, they haven't got a date. No. So they've been told what happened is uh, the the government people we spoke to have have been told that they've waited 70 years already. You know, it's not so bad. Let me tell you, everybody, about the story of Don Baker. Now, Don was in HMS Scarborough in 1958. He was 21 years old. He was in the engine room of a ship that was being used for meteorological studies at the nuclear weapons test Christmas Island in the South Pacific. He was forced to watch several bomb, <coughs> H-bombs as part of Operation Grapple on Christmas Island. He was 21 at the time. By the time he was 25, he had stomach ulcers. They played him throughout his life. He had to forced to leave the Navy as a result of it. He had a full stomach bypass when he was 40. That's him 21 in training at HMS Fiskard. Now, a uh, rectal cancer finally killed him when he was 85 years old. Now, that is a little bit above the average life expectancy. But you've got to bear in mind he's had a lifetime of ill health. And that is Don's coffin at his funeral in Lincoln Crematorium, four months after Rishi Sunak had announced the medal. Because it took them five months to bother to accept the application forms. For that medal because uh, they didn't do what we asked them to do which was to open applications early and then you know worry about the paperwork afterwards they did the other way around as per that does matter Ben. when people who these nuclear veterans they've got an average age of 85 right they've had lifetimes of ill health uh, in some cases in other cases they've just had the worry and the stress of ill health um but they're waiting for something that takes more than a few months so they were told late summer to start with they're now being told it won't be in production until late summer, which could be what October, couldn't it really?
1: Yeah, which I means mean, they
0: might not get it for Remembrance Day.
1: I think the government bureaucracy and the protocol and the red tape and everything that you know, those of us who work in Westminster, we have to deal with every day and just sort of become slightly newer to it, to be honest. But when you see it affecting things like this, where every day matters, because like you say, these are these, you know, let's not be a bit bad, these are old and in very in many circumstances, quite ill people, they haven't got long left a lot of them. Mm-hmm. Um, so each day that they don't receive that medal is, is a day that, you know, it might be their last, we just don't know. Um, so when the government's sort of stalling on things like this, and we do understand, you know, the proper processes, they have to do it. But really, when they read a story like you've, you've done today, they just need to get on with it, you need to sort of rip up the bureaucracy, the red tape, and just look at the humanity of it, I think, and just get on with it, awarding these people for their service.
0: And what do you think, everybody? I mean, I'm just kind of a stupid question, I suppose. Everyone thinks these guys should get a medal and it should be hurried up. But I mean, do you understand why perhaps it's... Do you think within a year is acceptable? What do you think about it? Maybe missing Remembrance Sunday? Because that's the big fear of the veterans at the moment is that they won't have it in time for their march past the cenotaph. Now, Marco says they can bestow gongs on the lawbreakers in no time. So for those veterans who are still suffering, they're at the back of the queue. Now, it's true, Marco, in the space of the time since we've had... um the medal announcement we've also had a new monarch and yesterday he was handing out his coronation medal to people at Trooping the Colour which was marvellous for him but I do suspect maybe that Trooping the Colour medal the coronation medal went ahead of the veterans in the queue I think it probably leapfrogged the test veterans a bit likewise wherever the cabinet office has been to um, for them as far as the medal is concerned within sort of the operation of government, I think has perhaps been leapfrogged a little bit by the problems the Cabinet Office has had with uh, WhatsApps and the honours list of Boris Johnson. We haven't even got to the honours list yet of Liz Truss, which however much that's going to suck power out of government then. Um, but the, the thing is, we've had 1500 medal applications I thought it would be mostly from families, but it turns out a thousand of them are from the veterans themselves. There's still a thousand. lives really important to them. There's a thousand people who have asked for their medal and they want it. Um, And it really shouldn't be something that takes any longer to do. So possibly it's all got gunged up by what we've had going on elsewhere in government, but it's not acceptable. Deborah says it's disgusting. If it was something for them, it would be done. They probably think if they wait long enough, there won't be any to bestow. There is I mean, Ben, let's be be practical about this for a moment. There is a a political gain, as well as the moral gain and the the newspaper headline gain, of awarding a medal to these guys. Uh, Rishi Sunak got that headline when he mentioned the medal award. But, of course, if there's fewer and fewer of them alive by the time the medal actually comes out, or they miss Remembrance Day, and the Mirror keeps on reporting, oh, look, someone else has passed away, someone else has passed away. Because Morag, uh, Don's daughter, said he was a very proud Navy man, he was delighted to hear he was going to get this medal, and now we're having to help his widow, his wife, do it. If if they don't do it quick enough, they're not going to get whatever gain they wanted out of it, are they? They're not going to get that recognition to the veterans, if that's the important thing. They won't have the moral high ground, they won't have the political benefit of it, they won't have the headline benefit of it. It would it will look shameful somehow.
1: Yeah, I mean, they do need to go on with it, and I, I'm I'm not sure the government's necessarily doing it for good publicity, if, if... You know <laughs> with a mirror we're gonna have a go at the sort of it anyway. But we are even handed in so much as when we they are doing the right thing, we acknowledge that and we praise them for that. And this is the right thing to do. Now, the government, um, in yeah, they got you got a good headline out of saying they would do it, and they'll get great headlines um the first time that one of these medals is actually pinned on um a veteran's chest on on their uh on their jacket. Um but in when you say you're going to do something, the problem is people expect it to be done. Um, you can't just kick it into the long grass. And like I said earlier about the, you know, the protocols, the processes, the bureaucracy that has to be waded through, um, the government does need to, to hurry things up because in a very practical level, the longer they wait, the fewer veterans there will be to award them to.
0: Exactly. And all the the, the wonderful, you know, what they got out of it. And Rishi Sunak there is talking to a guy called Malcolm Smith, who's one of the test veterans. He's wearing on his chest there the yellow and black, what they call the missing medal. Right. So it's an empty medal ribbon and they wore it as part of their protests when they were campaigning for the medal. Last year at the Cenotaph, they marched wearing that yellow and black missing medal because they didn't have the real one. What they want to do this year, there are 50 places at the Cenotaph. It's an unprecedentedly large number for the test veterans to have. And it's because they've got the medal. So they need to have that gong before they get there. And to be frank, you can't give it to them the week before and expect all these people who are a bit ill and a bit old to come from all over the country to London, get a medal, go back home and then come back again. for It's not going to work. You've got to have a bit of time for them to have a rest in between for them to come back for that medal. And, of course, we do want it to come from the king. And he knows how to hand out medals now because we saw him do it yesterday. So if you're watching, Your Majesty, sign off on the design, please, uh, and hurry it up and tell government to extract Digit from Bunhole. Because people like Don are dying without the medal that they absolutely and totally deserve. And I'm going to keep writing about it if they do. Eddie says the only people who have benefited from this are the solicitors. It's too late for my husband. Um, you're quite right. Eddie is too late, unfortunately. But the solicitors who actually worked on uh, the case for the test veterans lost a lot of money. They lost millions fighting that because of the way the MOD handled it, which is why they can't find any other legal firms to step up and and to act for them now even though we've got some evidence about blood tests being uh, uh, taken and withheld from them illegally. Anyway, thank you for that, Ben. Now we need to move on I suppose, to the main story of the day. And uh, if this doesn't get you cross as well, then I don't know what will. So video of Tory staffers dancing madly at a Christmas bash. I mean, could it look any more Tory? Christmas braces and an appalling jumper. Um, And someone who's wearing a labor dress for some reason. this is it happened at CCHQ, Christmas 2020, which, if anyone can remember, that's the Christmas that we had cancelled, right? That's the Christmas that Boris Johnson said, I don't want to cancel Christmas, and then had to. It's the Christmas after which uh, he wanted to reopen schools on like the 4th of January and then had to shut them again on the 5th because it was a bad idea. That's the Christmas in which these people were dancing like that. Now, it says in the paper today, Ben, that. Um, that the police are looking into this. So what's going to happen as a result, we think?
1: Right. Now, this um, this party, uh, it's been reported before, and there's been still images from it before, photographs, uh, published about 18 months ago when um, the Mirror first started reporting on what had gone on with lockdown-busting parties in Number 10 in Whitehall and, and in parts of the Conservative Party. But this is the first time that video has emerged, mo- moving footage. Now, when police originally looked at the stills, they said there wasn't enough evidence. And when they spoke to people, there wasn't enough evidence to, to find anyone um, for their attendance at this party. Now the video has emerged. Well, obviously that puts a different light on it. I mean, the two people involved with the dancing, that's Malin Bogue and Jack Smith. Now Malin Bogue, she worked on um, Boris Johnson's 2019 leadership campaign and Jack Smith, he now works for the energy minister, Graham Stewart. Um, But this, was part of Sean Bailey, who is the Tory candidate at the time to become London Mayor. This was his campaign team. So they're both seconded to it. You can see they're becoming quite energetic and they're dancing, almost knocking the wine glasses. Well, I did knock wine glasses over there. This video, obviously, is being seen by an awful lot of people now, including the Metropolitan Police. So they said yesterday that, you know, they're aware of the video and they're examining it. Now they haven't said they'll formally investigate yet. But the way this works is they'll look at the video, and see does that constitute new evidence? Well, obviously it does, because they didn't have it before. And then they'll decide whether or not to formally launch an investigation. Now you have to think that looking at that, they would, because if you're not supposed to be... <laughs> They're not supposed to be within two metres of people under guidance and of course social distancing rules were in place they're literally holding hands as they're dancing and right. like
0: underneath a sign that says keep two meters distance it's on yeah. that it's behind them it's really
1: so that's, that's one aspect to this rally. and obviously coming the COVID inquiry is just starting its second day uh, David Cameron's up giving evidence at the um at the COVID inquiry to Baroness Heather Hallett and her team um so that reopens it of course we've got the Privileges Committee report is in Parliament today. That's the one that said Boris Johnson is a liar. who lied and lied and lied again. Um, so MPs are possibly going to vote on that. It's more likely there'll be no opposition to it and it'll just go through on the nod. But it keeps this whole narrative of partygate in the public consciousness more than 18 months after it was first revealed. And it just it keeps... Yeah, Rishi Sunak is desperate to move on from this. Let, let's not forget he was fine himself for attending Boris Johnson's birthday party three years ago today. Happy birthday, former Prime Minister. <laughs> um, the the other thing to my mind with this video is it was Sean Bailey's campaign, right? Now, he, in Boris Johnson's resignation on his list, has just been made appear. He's off to the House of Lords. Now, he left the party before, uh, before these two started dancing and before the video was shot but he still, you know, it was his party for his, his team, right? Um, and he's apologised and said that it shouldn't have happened, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And he wasn't there when this particular video was shot. But there are calls now for him to either relinquish his peerage or for Rishi Sunak to stop it. Constitutionally, I don't think he can stop it now. It's too late. But, of course, Sean Bailey could look at that and think, oh, you know, this, that was my team. How did I lead them, by example, if they thought this was OK? So he, he is under pressure to, to uh, stand down from the House of Lords, Another chap who is at the party to start with uh, got an OBE in Boris Johnson's resignation mm. on That's a chap called Ben Mallet. So not, neither of those two are involved in this dancing, but people who were there at that party that now looks even worse, now we've got a hold of this video, um, they, they were honoured in Boris Johnson's resignation honours list and it, predictably Labour and the Lib Dems are saying that they should give up those honours or that Rishi Sunak should intervene and strip them of them. I don't think Rishi Sunak will intervene and strip them of those honours. It's entirely possible that Sean Bailey and Ben Mallett might look at that video and think, is this a great look? Yeah, maybe I should do a decent thing and All give right. up the gong.
0: Maybe, because he's, of course, he's the one in the red braces, Ben Mallet, and uh, as you can see in the video, and he's very close to other people that he's talking and drinking with, and it's quite plainly he's breaking the two-metre rule as well. Um, so one would have thought that, you know, the police are, as you say, watching the video in the same way that everyone else is, and unlike everybody else, don't know yet whether or not something, it shows something's gone wrong. <laughs> um, but the original investigation into that video, like you say, was closed because for a lack of evidence. Now we've got the evidence and it should be pointed out. If the mirror can find the evidence and the blasted Metropolitan Police should have been able to look through people's phones and find something, you would have thought they've actually got the power to do that. We do not. We have to wait for someone to give it to us. Lazy says, will episode two be Boris leading the Conga? Oh, God, no, I hope not. Um,
1: Now those
0: two two dancers, as you said, Ben, have been ID'd. They've given no comment. Sean Bailey resigned on the spot when that... uh, news about that party first broke but OBE for Jack Smith who works for a minister who's maybe going to find that job a little bit more difficult from now on Um, but you know, one of the things that sort of happened around all this time was we've had, there's been one instance as far as I can tell of Labour being accused of partying during the restrictions which was Keir Starmer's beer and curry issue with Angela Rayner which the police looked into and said was fine, it was a work event because it was between campaigning Um, But we've had Bernard Jenkin from the Parliamentary Standards Committee. Apparently his wife was inviting people to birthday drinks and he went along. We've had this party. We've got an entire spreadsheet full of stuff that the Tories, Boris Johnson and Carrie got up to in Downing Street and at Chequers and various Tory staffers, people inside Downing Street doing these things. In your view, Ben, am I am I making a leap to say that there is something about Tory ideology which says the rules are not for us? Or is it current people in power that seem to think that? Or is that just people in power in general? Is it not about a party? Because it seems to be it's the Conservatives that have most of these allegations about them. And there's got to be some reason for that, isn't there?
1: Um, yeah, I mean, the problem, it's one of those like Donald Rumsfeld known unknowns. We don't know what, we're, what others were getting up to yeah. because it just might not have come out yet and probably won't. I'm not saying they were getting up to anything. But what we have reported on, and the mirror sort of led the way on this, of course, um, it has focused on the Conservatives, and that is, you know, the, the extent of breaking rules and the, not following their own guidance. they issued. and of course, the reason it's certainly more pertinent that it's the Conservatives, but they were the ones who imposed these rules, guidance on the rest of us, off and on for eighteen months, I think it was, and yet, um, because they were setting the rules. And the vast majority of us are abiding by them. Well, it's beholden on them to set an example and to abide by them themselves. And then each picture that comes out now video just shows that they weren't doing that. And, the, you know, in that piece that's in the paper today, the extraordinary public anger and particularly from the families of victims mm. who you know, saw their loved ones die from coronavirus. The um, following rules, in many cases, often couldn't go and visit them or when funerals happened, there was a limited attendance at a funeral. You had to sit on your own at a funeral, no more than 30 people, et cetera, et cetera. And then this video comes out when you see two young people working for the Conservative Party mayoral candidates campaign, dancing away as if you know, it's just a normal Christmas party. And of course, they were, you know, we didn't have Christmas parties, most of mm-hmm. us that year. You know, you know, well, it was literally banned. You know, we didn't have them some months later. Um, so, yeah, the, the, the huge public anger is focused on C5 so for this because it's come out that they were the ones who did break the rules.
0: What do you think, everybody? Have you got a problem with this video or do you think it's fair enough? Because, I mean, these these weren't the people in Downing Street really making the rules they happen to be working for the conservative party they're in a basement at the cchq they've probably been working together all week and say they may thought they weren't increasing any infection risk maybe to party together but i don't know ben why um people who are running a campaign like this need to all be there everyone else at this time was zooming children were zooming from home to do schools to to do their lessons so i mean Why did, you know, the head of a social media campaign and the head of something else and the policy, blah, blah, have to be in the same room? These are all white collar jobs. You could do all of this, as we all were, from our back bedrooms, can't you?
1: Yeah, absolutely. You can. You know, you you could meet up for work purposes unless you could work from home. Right. Now, the vast majority of us doing desk jobs, essentially, were working from home. And sometimes that was difficult because having a face-to-face conversation with a colleague would have been a lot easier than dealing with Zoom that was going down and internet freezing and all the rest of it, sometimes dodgy mobile phone signals. And you just get, it was damn frustrating sometimes. And it would have been a lot easier to be in the office and have those conversations. But you made it work. You know, that was what we were all doing because that was what we were told to do. So then to find out that some people weren't weren't even just working from home, but when they were meeting up for those essential work meetings, they were then getting smashed and dancing the night away. It's it's a, quite annoying, isn't
0: it? It is rather. Now, what do you think, everybody, do you think that this is just a uniquely Tory issue? Do you think that there is some correlation between being Conservative with a capital C uh, and being a member of the party, enough, Conservative enough to be a member of the party and breaking these rules? Am I just drawing too much of a line here? Because... You know, I don't think that historically Tory ideology says we don't need to care about other people or think about others or be considerate. I do think, though, perhaps that the the current people in government, regardless of party, to be honest, not a political point, but the people who are currently running the government are seem to be of a clique of people who... who from the top down, Ben, from Boris Johnson downwards, never seemed to think that the rules really applied. And if you've got that person at the top and they recruit people underneath them who support them and so on and so forth down the ladder, eventually you get junior staffers who aren't being told or aren't having it shown to them that considering other people and self-sacrifice and, and following the rules is something they ought to be doing. Well, That's the problem, isn't it?
1: Boris Johnson's always thought that the rules that apply to normal people don't apply to him. There's some anecdote about, um, it not an anecdote, it's was a school report when he was at Eton. Um, one of his schoolmasters in his end of term report said, he genuinely thinks the rules that apply to everyone else don't apply to him. And that was when Boris was like 12 or 13. Oh. Um, so when you, when you think back to that 45, 40, 46 years ago, and he's carried on living his life like that, when he then gets into Downing Street and, you know, He's the prime minister. He sets the tone. He sets the example. If everyone, you know, essentially have to run riot at Number Ten because he lets them get away with it because he's not serious, he doesn't have formal strictures and proprieties, then people do think they can the night before Prince Philip's funeral get drunk and play on a swing in the yeah. garden. That's the sort of thing that happens. I, I should say, you certainly don't get that impression now from Mr. Sunak's number 10 operation. So yes, he was fined walking into the cabinet room three years ago today, Boris Johnson's birthday and accepting a glass of squash or whatever it was. because so he doesn't drink, remember? Yeah. Um, so so he was fined the same number of times as Boris Johnson. Many people around Rishi Sunak feel that's deeply unfair. Um, that's not for me to say whether it's fair or not. What I would say is, it's a more professional operation. Now You can't imagine that if Rishi Sunak was in charge during uh, coronavirus, those parties would have happened. You certainly can't imagine if Theresa May was in charge during coronavirus, those parties would have happened. You know, number 10 was one of of the most unhappiest places in the country at the time under Theresa's (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> you think they were just drinking quietly under their desks on their own and weeping. They weren't <laughs> They weren't actually part. Um, okay, yeah, that's yeah, it's one point. It's not a conservative, ideological thing that other people don't matter. Gordon Brown, likewise, it wouldn't have happened, I da- dare say, under him if he'd been in charge. It just seems to be something which is unique to the current people, or the people we have had at the top of that tree. I mean, Lady Ashley on Twitter says they should all be given prison sentences. D says it boils down to if they did wrong, there should be consequences. It's not like their young kids misbehaving they knew what they were doing there was a sign on the wall over their head d i mean it's not difficult everyone in the country knew this kind of time everyone else was walking if you had to go in public you're walking around with your hands in your pockets and trying not to cough and you're masked up and everything this is 2020 it's is the first year of the whole thing it hadn't even been a year by that point matt says i have an issue with the met police i find it difficult to believe they didn't know this was going on and they couldn't get hold of the video evidence this is why trust in the police is so low they could have got hold of that video evidence because it's plainly from someone who was at the party, isn't it, Ben? It's um, it's plainly someone at the party has had it, has kept it for three years, and has now provided it to, to the Mirror. So, uh, um, yeah, do I don't, I so
1: I don't actually know where that video's come from. It's not my no, story. but it's obviously
0: someone who was who was filming it. Someone who there has filmed it's it originally. There. We don't
1: it's know if they're the ones. Well, I don't know if yeah, they're ones. It's, it's been passed, it, passed
0: around, so maybe, it, but it's it's, passed, it's, yeah. it's found its way to the Mirror. So someone who was at that party had this video. And the police interviewed everyone at that party, or tried to, so they should have said, have you got a video of it? Have you got any evidence that we can have? And either someone lied to the police at the time, or they just didn't ask the question. They didn't... It does
1: seem, uh, thinking back to the original police investigation, such as it was, it did be there was a reluctance to get involved initially. Um, and it was only when more and more evidence by us and by other media outlets was brought to light that eventually oh. the Met Police did get involved. Um, And you got the impression, certainly looking from the outside, that they just wanted it to go away as quickly as soon as possible. Um, Should bear in mind as well, of course, that in part of the preparations for the COVID inquiry, Boris Johnson handed over diaries, journals, um, and some messages, WhatsApp messages to uh, the Cabinet Office to their lawyers who were preparing the government's case for the COVID inquiry. And they found I think 16 instances um, that they've reported to both the Met Police and Thames Valley Police. Thames Valley Police calls covering checkers, the Prime Minister's country retreat in Buckinghamshire. Sixteen incidents that they think might merit police investigation over other parties that hadn't been investigated before. So that's very much a watch this space.
0: Yeah, and they described those uh, sixteen incidents as "quote problematic." The Cabinet Office calling it problematic. Well, Minister. It's the sticky wicket and no mistake. So we'll have to see how some of that pans out. But it's worth, like you said, Ben, the police only seem to investigate any of this because they've been embarrassed into doing so. It's so much the same Perhaps the nuclear veterans got their medal. It's because the government was embarrassed into doing it. That seems to be the only way we get these people to do stuff. Now, Dee, hello, Dee, you're back again. The pub owners who had lock-in parties had fines, so why not these people having fines? I'm sure with the amount of police standing outside and security, they knew what was going on. I think, wasn't there something at the time, actually? No, this was, I can remember now, that the party at CCHQ was one where there were some doors damaged and it actually went to the top of the, it got reported to the top of the party at the time, as I recall. And a couple of people got disciplined, I think, over it. And security did know about it at the time, Dee, so I think you're right Um, And there's obviously plenty of meat on the bones, put it that way. So we'll have to wait and see what old plod does, won't we? Uh, Now, thank you, everyone, for taking part in that. Thank you, Ben. Uh, Now, we do have some good news. We've managed to find it for you. uh, And hopefully this will diffuse some of your rage. Here it is. Now, Martin Ward weighed 15 stone. He'd suffered two collapsed lungs and had a cancer scare. So, he did what any overweight man in his 50s would and started running marathons. Now, at the age of 64, he has finally completed his 100th marathon, including nine 33 mile ultra marathons. I mean, the man must be deranged, if you ask me, but he's done amazingly to deal with that. Ben, is this proof that for those of us who haven't run a single marathon, not even a, I haven't run a quarter marathon, I haven't run actually since I was at school, um, does this mean that we can just get around to it later and it'll be fine?
1: I'm one of those people who running is only if you're in, being chased. Stories like, <laughs> like this make me feel so bad because I, I don't do any exercise. And I certainly couldn't envisage running a marathon, let alone 100 of them. You know, this chap's 64 years old now, started, started running eight years ago when he got to 15 stone, had various heart problems, and yeah, he's great feet. Um, great feet.
0: Feet. <laughs> he's got a great feet. Yes, yes, but you totally won't yeah. say there's only any point running if you're being chased by a bear or something, Ben. Right. But you see, if there was a bear and it was you and Martin, the bear's going to get you, isn't he? Because Martin's faster than you are.
1: Depends. I mean, obviously he's so for longer. Is. But if I was close enough to him at the start and tripped him up, then <laughs> the bear would get him, wouldn't
0: he? There you go. That's the journalist uh, reasoning for not taking exercise. That I can outthink this. It'll be fine. Okay, right. Okay, we'll see how that works out over the next 40 or 50 years, shall we, Ben? Come back and let us know uh, next time a bear gets released. Right. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, Ben, for taking us through all that. Uh, Thank you, everyone. Thank you to the government for the nuclear test medal. But hurry it up. Thank you for the COVID inquiry. But I think you have to hurry that one up as well. And come on, the Met Police. Um, we can all see what they've come wrong you need to start issuing some fines and do it quickly please there's no reason for delay right Um, thank you everyone you can carry on about your day now Uh, if you're listening on podcast please leave us a review so other people can find us and we will see you again on Wednesday for another edition of the News Agenda Explained until then tatty bye